On your Monday episode of Locked on Raptors, Jakob Pertl is in town and his arrival coincides with one of the worst losses of the season and one of the worst wins of the season as well. We will dig into Yak's debuts and what he's looking like, how he's adding to the team. We'll talk about what the hell is going on in these fourth quarters as the Raptors continually try to piss these games away. It's a weird team. We're going to talk about it with Big V next. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1341 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, February the 13th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite audio podcast apps. And you can also go to YouTube, hit the big red subscribe button. We're pushing towards 3,000 subs over there on the YouTube channel. So please go join the chorus of folks who have hit the button in support of the show. I appreciate you all very, very deeply. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. All right. On today's show, the Toronto Raptors lose on Friday in embarrassing late game collapse fashion against a very bad, not trying to win Utah Jazz team. And then they win in embarrassing late game collapse fashion against a not trying to win Detroit Pistons team on Sunday. Uh, sprinkled into both of those games is the arrival of Jakob Pertl and the changing dynamics of the team around that. Here to break it all down is our pal from Raptors.com, Vivek Jacob. Big V, are you as confused by this basketball team as I am? Um, yes and no. <laughs> at, at this point, I'm kind of resigned to what they are and right. what it might look like down the stretch. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know if some of that is just apathy and mm-hmm. just feeling like it's not worth and there's other sports to watch (laughs) and so yeah i'm just kind of you know doing my job at this point and let this team do what they do yeah uh what they do is make a lot of very uh just head scratching choices late in games uh of course against the jazz that leads to giving up a 13 point lead was it in the last five minutes of the game for the jazz to pull ahead and win by six nasty stuff and then they give up 41 fourth quarter points to the pistons on sunday uh you know it still felt like they were mostly in control of that one maybe like another 35 seconds in which to make terrible decisions late in the game managing the clock then perhaps it would have come back around on them but they hang on they win they're 27 and 31 uh, let's start with Jakob Pertl, shall we? The new shiny toy on the Raptors, uh, who's very fun, as it turns out, throwing cool little bounce passes, blocking shots at the rim, three blocks from a Raptors center. What a beautiful world we live in. Uh, he had, of course, the three blocks against the Pistons. Um, 
thoughts on Jakob Pertl's first couple games here back in Toronto? Just 17 minutes against the Jazz. He was uh, an even in the game, which was one of the better plus-minus marks on the team. And of course, famously did not play for the final few minutes as the Jazz were running to the rim like it was a layup line in high school. Uh, and then, of course, you get a start from him, 25 minutes, 6 points, 5 boards, uh, an assist, 2 steals, and 3 blocks, plus 11 to lead the team on Saturday as well. The team looked a lot better when he was on the floor. The defense makes a lot more sense when he's on the floor. Overall impressions of the first weekend of Yak back in Toronto. Yeah, having a real center is good. And yes! Think- wow! <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> no, I, I, I think you look at the way he helps. So I should start from here. I sure. thought in terms of uh, the Raptors addressing their need at center based on the roster makeup that they mm-hmm. needed a shooting big. Yes. And uh, I was curious then after the acquisition of Pirtle, you know, what does this look like? What does it look like with a non-shooting big? And mm-hmm. um, turns out I'll- like it always has, because they've <laughs> not had shooting bigs ever. <laughs> <laughs> that is Marcus all erasure and I will not tolerate it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, since, uh, since the before times, they haven't had a center. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. Um, and, I think the really good thing about Jakob is his passing ability. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even Fred just flat out, it was like, he's a playmaker. Like, you can call him a center, you can call him whatever you want, but he is a playmaker. And mm-hmm. uh, you can see that he's always got eyes for his teammates, um, even when he's taking it to the basket. Like, the the second he recognizes there's two coming at him to contest at the rim, uh, he knows where his teammates are and he's able to find them, which is amazing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for just his second game back. Um, and so, uh, I think that element of it, you know, how, how you improve spacing with passing versus like just straight up a shooter has been interesting to watch play out. And mm-hmm. obviously it'd be nice if say, for example, that Detroit game, you had more than one credible shooter in Fred Van Vliet. <laughs> would be uh, swell yes <laughs> <laughs> but i think you know in terms of shot creation that way i think it's been awesome and then obviously the screen setting like that first game you saw guys literally come off screens and hesitate for a second because it was like whoa <laughs> I'm wide open. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's like a situation where you're on skis and you hit like a tougher downhill than you expected, and you're just like, oh my god! Uh, <laughs> eventually, you learn how to you know carve and slow yourself down, but initially, you are on the way into a tree with uh, no break in momentum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you already mentioned the defense, like just having a rim protector, having possessions, and where Jakob is able to you know, just use his size and be like, okay, we are done playing defense on this possession. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. get the ball and go. And I, I think that obviously alleviates uh, a good chunk of the pressure that this team has to deal with. Uh, mm-hmm. Gary Trent Jr. talked about how, you know, it was nice that he went for a swipe at the ball and completely missed. And then Jacoberto is contesting at the rim. And it's like, whoa, this is a lot better than how it used to go. <laughs> He, yeah, he, he does a lot of stuff the Raptors have badly needed, right? And I know they've tried to make the pressures of Chew or Scotty Barnes thing work at center, and there are times where it does look pretty good, and I think having those guys as sort of offensive threats at the nail, on the short roll, in the middle of the floor, always a pretty nice thing to have, in particular Scotty, obviously, but Yak just brings 
center skills to the table in a way we haven't seen in a long time. And I'm glad you brought up the screening because that, to me, is just the most glaring new thing. And I think Fred Van Vliet, more than anybody else, is just like so thrilled to have a big dude setting real hard screens for him once again. Um, you know, he's like it's like a human slingshot situation with, with Yak compared to what it's been screening wise of late. And <laughs> Everything in basketball is about finding space and exploiting it. The Raptors have been miserable at finding space to exploit all season long, and Jakobertel injects new space. It's different space. It's not like it's you know you know spread to the corner, spread pick and roll type space because of the shooting on the team. But you still give a good ball handling guard extra space going downhill, extra room to pull up for three. I think Fred's going to be maybe the biggest benefactor of the Jakobertel arrival of anybody, and that's really exciting stuff. I mean, the big to big passing, you know, early finding. I think it was the Pistons game finding Scotty Barnes underneath. Um, you know, those quick passes on. The short roll. I think it's all going to be very nice and intertwined between Siakam, Scotty, and Yak. Having three dudes who pass that well playing across your front line, that's very exciting stuff, even if it's very light on shooting at the moment. Although Scotty Barnes happily pulling away a little bit more often, and Pascal burying them as late of late as well. Um, I think as well. You know, obviously, I know there was a lot of consternation about Jakob Pertl maybe coming up a little too high on pick-and-roll coverage. That's not really his bread and butter. He played a ton of drop with the Spurs. He is quick, but he's not that quick to stay in front of guys that far out. I think we got to wait to see till after the All-Star break before really making any proclamations about how they're using Jakob Pertl defensively, just because there hasn't been any time to implement stuff. Nick Nurse, of course, has been away from the team over the weekend. Uh, they've practiced just once, I think, since he came in, and there's going to be more time to implement some stuff, install some defense around what Jakob Pertl does well. This will be the test, of course, for Nick Nurse to be ad adaptable to what his defense has been all along, but... I think a little slight, just a little bit more conservativeness with the way they use Yak in the pick and roll, I think will come eventually, and I think it should come because that's where he's better. We saw a couple of blocks in drop for him yesterday, which were great to see. And he also, I think, if they are going to play this more sort of aggressive defense, I still think he can be a help in that regard as well. It's not like he's going to be totally out, you know, out to see if they're playing this aggressive scheme all the time. And I think it's because he's so good when he is at the rim there to clean up those messes. Even if he's not going to get the block, he's so good at impeding the runway to the basket for whoever's driving. It gives the help blocker time to come over and make a play. I think we saw that with Pascal Siakam in a couple instances against the Pistons. Um, any other stray observations about Jakob Pertl and his arrival in Toronto and how it's really, really beautiful to see a seven-foot man do seven-foot man things on the floor for this team again? <laughs> um, yeah, but I think I have a whole bunch, so maybe uh, we can go to break. We, we can back. do that. We're going to continue Yak Talk coming back on the other side. I also just want to get your thoughts in general on the trade because we haven't really discussed that since the deadline happened, and everyone's got an opinion on the way the Raptors went about the deadline. Very polarizing stuff. We will get to all of that and more coming up in just one sec, but first, got to tell you, a better friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with the people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. 
It's a really difficult game hiring. There's a massive pool of people to choose from at all times, all sorts of different qualifications and skills. You want to find the people with the exact skills that are going to match exactly what you need for your job, and LinkedIn helps you find that. It's no longer searching for a needle in the haystack. They find the needle for you. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. You can identify those candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them fast and for free free. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Big V, Vivek Jacob of raptors.com is here. Digging into the Raptors' bizarro weekend of one-and-one ball against two very bad teams. Uh, we'll continue your thoughts on Jakob Pertl, but I'll prompt you with this. Uh, the Jakob Pertl trade, Big V, went down, of course, Wednesday night. We haven't really spoken on the mic since that went down. Curious of your initial thoughts on the deal and then thoughts when they did nothing subsequently after acquiring Jakob Pertl. What do you think it says about the team's intentions? Did you like the move? Are you, you know, obviously it's a very polarizing trade. I feel like there's no one kind of in the middle on it, it seems. But uh, thoughts on the uh, overall just decision-making around the deadline for the Raptors? Yeah, I thought it was a bit underwhelming. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought that when the news of the Jakob trade came out, uh, which was Wednesday night, heading yeah. into the Thursday deadline, I was kind of like, okay, uh, there's got to be, you know, the other shoe to drop here. You know, that kind of sets things up going forward because you've made the Yak trade. You've given up a future first round pick. Um, and you, you don't do that usually with this version of the team that there seems to be this defined ceiling. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. I think I was waiting for more to happen. And uh, based on the reports that came back, obviously you wouldn't do any of those Fred deals. They were just not good enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, interestingly, you know, for as much as Gary's name was thrown in there, we haven't seen any reports of what Gary trades look like. The uh, only stuff was like a couple weeks ago when I think Grange suggested it was like a, a bogus first or a couple of seconds, which if you're, if you're not getting more than that for Gary Trent Jr., then right. obviously you try to keep him. Yeah. And then... We saw the OG stuff entailed picks uh, and not really a rotation player that could contribute right away. And so mm -hmm. that seemed to be a sticking point for the Raptors, uh, which I think makes sense because, again, they seem to be leaning towards winning both in the short term and long term uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to you know giving anything away right now. Uh, that's what the trade suggested to me. So in the end, ultimately, it did feel a bit underwhelming. There's no question that in the short term, in the near term, they did get better because they did address a need. Yeah. But uh, in terms of the big picture, you go into this offseason uh, having to have, frankly, a perfect offseason to yeah. make this trade look good. Yeah, that's, I think, the concern here is the the needle threading that needs to go on. Uh, considering the, the three pending UFAs, obviously OG situation. And it's not just what happens in the offseason. I think between now and the end of the year is going to be very telling of what's going to happen in the offseason because it's not just they needed a center. They've also had fit issues all season long. 
and the Pirtle edition figures, with no one else leaving town, figures to make the fit both better because he makes building proper lineups more sensible and easy, but also there's just more dudes now to get minutes to, and that's going to likely come at, you know, some sort of trade-off or cost in minutes and shots and all of that, which, you know, obviously, you know, Masai said it himself. He says he thinks the team has played selfish at times this year. We know that there's a very clear, you know, the rumblings of OG wanting a bigger role. It, it is a, just a strange strange set of decisions that again i don't think i disagree with the philosophy of get good players on your team and try to get a jump on the off season with the deadline and you know not not necessarily use it as a deadline to like the february 9th is the hard date to make grand decisions about your team and going forward there are tools to be used when it comes to asset management in the summer as well but it is a, a strange set of like mixed messages i would say um Let's get back to Yak. I I think for me, if anything has become clear to me over this weekend, it's that Jakob Pertl needs to start every game and play 25 to 30 minutes at minimum every single night because if this is about fact-finding, if this is about seeing were we actually just one center away from making this team right, if this is about signing Jakob Pertl in the offseason and building a team around him and presumably Pascal and Scotty as three guys who are going to be long-term pieces, you have to get as much information as you possibly can right now. Also, the team is very clearly better when he's on the floor because the defense makes a lot more sense. He's there to clean up messes. We've seen it already in two games. The defense has performed much better with him on the floor than off. Um, thoughts on the way they should be using Yak and, you know, any other sort of stray observations from the first couple of games seeing him back in Toronto now that the trade is in the past? Yeah, so I think a key quote from Masai here is that he did say long-term decision-making is not for the trade deadline. It's Which I agree. is a that's, a that's where you want your GM to be. I feel like not enough GMs are there. He's the president, whatever, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I think if we do see significant changes mm -hmm. um, and if we do see one of the core moved, then that will happen in the offseason. And mm -hmm. so I do think this is, uh, you know, part of figuring out what the core should look like going forward. Mm -hmm. And so I think they very clearly saw the need for a big like Jakob Pertl, and you don't give up a first round pick if you don't have plans to re-sign him. So mm -hmm. I think he is part of the core going forward for sure. Um, Scotty Barnes, we know, is untouchable. So he mm -hmm. is a part of that as well. And frankly, I think beyond that, uh, every other guy you can make a case for in terms of potentially right. something happening in the offseason. And mm -hmm. obviously some would be... Uh, a weaker case than others mm -hmm. uh but uh i do think everything will be on the table this coming off season yeah definitely and Outside then as far as season. yeah and then as far as like using yak you know are, are you with me like should it just be like you throw him out there as much as you possibly can i i was certainly yeah. displeased to see him taken out in the like like going against the jazz yeah um and, and yeah, started to go off on like where, where you think yak's usage should be and i guess like what are the intentions winning wise for the rest of the year? Do you think it's more of a, like a piecemeal, let's experiment and see what works if we lose whatever, or is it a, let's go try to make the play in type of situation with Yak? Cause I think that'll probably um, be telling, uh, you know, when it comes to how much he's playing and where he's playing as well. 
Yeah, no, I, I think he should be playing as much as possible, but I would say that I think they should be trying as many variations around him as possible as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, really trying to figure out what works best for this group. We we saw the, you know, the anti uh, shooting lineup <laughs> as the starting lineup, where it's just Fred and everybody else. But mm -hmm. I, I think he will definitely be uh, a focal point going forward. Scotty. Uh, Precious has got to get his reps down the stretch as well because, uh, you know, we, we know the potential that, that's there. And so you mm -hmm. got to squeeze out as much of it as, as you can. Pascal is going to be on an all-NBA mission. So, yeah. uh, you know, he's got to get his minutes. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how all of that plays out. And in terms of the goal, the remainder of the season, the goal is clearly to be as good as possible for next season. Right. Because you are give you've given up a top six protected first round pick. Mm -hmm. And so you are trying to make sure that's as bad as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think uh if there is a way to answer as many questions and still keep a healthy pick, uh, mm. you know, I think right now they project to be in the top ten, but if they can give themselves the best possible chance of being in the top eight, uh, then that's probably something that they'll lean towards doing. Um, and, and then you go from there. Yeah. I think I disagree a little on, I just don't think those two things align. Like I, I think if you're actually trying to figure things out, if you're using yak a lot, I think the team will be better for it. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, hopelessly grasping to the idea that there's a good team in here somewhere. I well, right now, the most is, you can but... use him is about 25 minutes because he's fouled out by then. Yeah, I mean, I, that I'm not worried about. <laughs> he's like, he didn't foul out once all year with the Spurs. I feel yeah. like this no, is I'm sort of joking. like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, there's some people who aren't joking. Uh, <laughs> surely. Six fouls. Uh, <laughs> they're like, yeah, sometimes guys foul out, especially when they're getting used to new defense and all that. Um, I would imagine he'll rein that in. And again, I think that's more of a thing that'll, much like a lot of things, I think it'll be kind of smooth during the All-Star break when they get some time to sort of, you know, reassess things. But I don't think you can both test all these things out, try to establish roles, get get people to be happy and want to stick around, all of that, and also be really worried about where your draft pick ends up. Like, I feel like if this goes as is hoped, and Jakob Pertl is the fix to a lot of the problems that we've talked about all season long, then the team's going to win games, and that's good, and they should just do that and you know get the the the, the fun times you get in the play-in and the potential experience of a playoff series if you make your way in i don't know just because of the sort of other factors it's not just there's no center it's there's the 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 role definitions guys overlapping and, and i feel like you can't have your cake and eat it too of still having a good pick while also figuring out things in a way that's going to benefit you going into next year if that makes sense are you concerned about just like, I, you know, OG's been out, obviously. Gary Trent was out Sunday. Are you concerned about the logjam of dudes once those guys are healthy? Um, like, do, they obviously need to see what those guys look in lineups with Yak. I feel like there's plenty of optimism. There should be optimism about what those lineups could look like. I think, like, a Fred 
Gary, OG, Siakam, Yak lineup could be awesome. Um, you know, you could swap in all sorts of dudes in those groups. You know, Scotty in for Pascal, Scotty in for Fred. You know, you can make lots of different combinations work there. Um, like, are you concerned about how you integrate OG back into the team now that Yak is there? There's one less starting spot in theory spoken for, unless they're going to bring Yak off the bench, which I don't think they should do. Um, you know, it, it's it's a really hard puzzle to figure out, and I guess kind of speaks to the difficulty of the task the Raptors have saddled themselves with here. Maybe it's a thing where, eh, we won a title, we built a championship team, let's make this as hard as possible for us, let's give us a challenge offseason just to, like, keep us feeling alive. Um, but all these different sort of contending elements and factors and tensions feel like it's going to make this a very challenging last 25 games or so to manage for the coaching staff and the players involved and all of what's going on. Yeah. So I think the one thing Jakob Proto offers uh, when this team is fully healthy is a definitive starting five. To yeah. me, you know, the best five players are Fred, OG, Pascal, Scotty, and Jakob. Mm-hmm. And so that is your starting five. There's no more Gary versus Precious debate. They're both coming off the bench. And yep. so uh, I think there is some role clarity in that. Mm-hmm. How much more difficult, if they're all healthy and they're all, pl- and that's the lineup you go with down the stretch, how much more difficult does that make signing Gary, re signing Gary in the offseason? Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's probably less inclined to take a bench role. Um, that is something that we'll have to play out. But again, this is a team that has not been healthy consistently for a while. So mm. the starters might just pick themselves and we'll see, yeah. you know, the, the lineups based off that. And so I think the clarity that Jakob uh, offers in that starting lineup, the fact that he's a guy that doesn't need, you know, 10, 15 shots a game or whatever it is, uh, is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the rest of the players, because I think it, it just makes life easier for them and mm-hmm. they can just not think twice about getting theirs. Uh, and we talked a bit of this, like when Precious was in the lineup, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's not mm-hmm. someone that you're trying to get shots for. So uh, the one thing that I did find interesting uh, in talking to Yak mm. was uh, he was answering a question about... Um, just you know op- i had asked him just about operating in the pick and roll with fred yeah and he expanded into like more big picture just playing in that five yeah and he was kind of like uh it's really different now because uh when we were the bench mob <laughs> it was just five young guys running around sure and now uh the style is very different and everyone mm-hmm. is very one-on-one and so I might have to be more aggressive uh, in terms of, uh, you know, when I take my shots. And so and so now uh. it's like within two games, <laughs> you've got a guy who's very team oriented already wondering, well, OK, where do I get mine? Right. Or is it also, you know, just a case of, uh, you know, him recognizing that in certain moments, he actually does have the best look as opposed Mm -hmm. to, you know, end of the shot clock. You know, we're we're just going into this one-on-one thing where we don't get a good look. And so maybe I'm just better off taking that look that I passed up before. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if they, 
actually go about trying to run a little more pick and roll with their traditional roll man center those looks will just kind of come naturally within the flow and if it's not a look it'll be an assist to the corner or something like that um so i'm less concerned about yak like commandeering the offense and joining the one-on-one brigade necessarily but (laughs) um i do think for me like it's really important i know we've kind of ragged on nick nurse for running a short rotation all season long I kind of think now's the time to run a short rotation just with the eight best players on the team. And they're eight good players who you should be able to spread out pretty evenly, I would think. Like, I'm sorry, Malachi Flynn, he's not part of the long-term solution here. I'm good on that one. I think the same goes for Wancho. You could talk me to playing some of the younger guys some minutes here and there, even though the Delano Banton minutes continue to be horribly un- uninspiring and all of that. Um, but, like, I feel like if you go Siakam, Pirtle, Barnes, OG, Fred, Trent, Boucher, Precious, and try to even the sort of minutes spread out there so it's not... 39 minutes for the starters and 16 for the bench guys instead it's you know 33 for the starters and 25 for the bench guys i think there is a workable rotation there they haven't really shown much of a desire to have a workable dependable rotation i think maybe that was should be something they consider um because this these are the guys who matter these are the guys who you're trying to evaluate how do these guys fit who works who fits who's who, who are we going to try to move in the summer who are we going to try to keep and those are the guys who matter to those equations. I think, you know, Christian Coloco, Ron Harper Jr., those guys matter for future years, not so much for this year. We know they can be around if they want them to be around. The top eight guys got to play a lot, and they got to try all the different iterations within that those eight guys. Even Thad Young, I feel like, maybe should be on the outside looking in because I don't know if he's long for the team. As much as it pains me to say, and as much as I'm very excited for them to roll out all passing lineups with Thad Young out there with, with Scotty and Yak and Pascal. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's got to be a very clear set rotation here. If there's any sort of um, hope of threading the needle and getting the proper information you want before all the decisions you got to make in the summer, we're going to come back for a quick good, bad, and hmm from the weekend that was. I'm sure the bad will be loaded. Uh, Maybe some good, too. We'll get to that in just one sec. Before we do, let me tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. The number one sports book in America. It's the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. That's awesome. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Uh, you could maybe even look into, can you bet on how many points can the Raptors give up as a collapse in a fourth quarter without losing or with losing? It's all there. It's probably there. I don't know if it's exactly in that terminology, but plenty of ways to bet on the Raptors bringing you pain as a sports fan, I'm sure. Uh, do the happiness hedge. Bet against the Raptors so when they lose, you feel great. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA and of LockedOn. All right, we continue on here. Rounding out your first listen of the day with Vec Jacob of Raptors.com. The good, the bad, and the hmm. The way we round out every single post-game episode of this here podcast. Big V, what you got for your good? My good is Jakob Pertl, man. Like, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's nice. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. like uh, I give him credit for the way he's been able to come in and have a positive impact. I think we've seen you know, all the theoretical 
uh, needs that we've mentioned when this team has lacked a center are being addressed. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, we'll see how the shooting plays out with, you know, what the rest of the lineup looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think in terms of the needs that he is addressing, uh, you can't be, you can't be disappointed with what you've seen so far. So far. Yeah, uh, really, really nice addition to the team. Excited to see him integrated even more and for the defense to maybe more suited to his strengths. My good Chris Boucher transition yams, baby. Uh, I, I don't know what got into Chris Boucher over the weekend, but two of the, the nastiest dunks I've seen a Raptor throw down in quite some time. There was another one, which I'll get to in my hmm, actually. But uh, yeah, Chris Boucher, I don't think he's the best dunker on the team, but when he throws down a good one, it might be the most exhilarating because it looks weird. His body's like this just mess of limbs and sticks. <laughs> and for that to end in such punishing yams is uh, very good to me. The Raptors, not very good at basketball. Pretty good at dunks. That's cool. Uh, let's go to the bad, shall we? What you got for your bad from the weekend? Yeah, the fourth quarter defense. Like, the dribble penetration is just ridiculous at this point. And it's yeah. like, you know, Fred and Gary, like, mm-hmm. please just stay in front. And I think this is where I get concerned about what uh, the defensive philosophy will be going forward. And it's like, I yeah. think you've got an opportunity now with Jakob Pertl to play more conservative. And yep. uh, so big picture, I am curious to see because we have heard Nick Nurse say in the past, I mean, this was in reference to Christian Coloco, um, mm-hmm. where he was asked, you know, what, what does that having that type of big offer you? And he was like, oh, this gives us a chance to be even more aggressive. Because... <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> And he was like, yeah, we can take more chances knowing that we have someone behind them to legitimately protect them. And, I'm, and you know, I think this is an opportunity to just recognize everything that's happened in this season and just play it more straight up, play it more conservative. <clears throat> Speaking after the Yacht trade, Nick did say that, you know, we will definitely go into some drop, maybe even yep. some heavy drop, uh, yep. because uh, that's what Jakob has been doing. And that's what he's proven to be very effective at. And so I think implementing that and maybe that being successful could lead to him backing off some of the aggression. So yeah. that is something that we will have to just see play out. My bad is actually specifically <clears throat> tied to this. And it has to do with Fred Van Vliet and the defensive scheme not doing Fred any favors when it comes to the breakdowns and a play comes to mind from the first half against the Pistons. I think Killian Hayes is going to work against Malachi Flynn on the wing and he's not getting any room. Killian Hayes is like one of 10. He's like two of 21 over his last two games. He's Killian Hayes. You don't got to send two guys to Killian Hayes. Uh, And Flynn was holding up just fine. Say what you will about Malachi Flynn, pretty stout defender when he really wants to lock in. Um, Yet still just like, as like muscle memory or just like as what has just been instilled in Fred Van Vliet, he is guarding Alec Burks top of the arc. He digs down to like pretend to swipe at Killian Hayes. Nothing comes of it and nothing was going to come of Killian Hayes going to work there anyway, but it gives Hayes the time to flip the ball back over to Burks. The ball was faster than players. That's how it works. And so Fred's scrambling back over and there's just not enough time for him to get back over in front. Burks slithers through and gets to the rim for an and one. It's just like, unforced errors man and it's just like i don't know why in that spot you need to go and swipe down obviously fred van vliet's great at digging in and getting balls free as a second defender coming in but like 
pick your spots more effectively. And I don't know if that's a Fred mistake or if it's just because the defense is what it is. That's just the move he's designed to go and make on defense. But I hate it. Really hate it. Uh, Just, you know, you can have aggression without it being stupid aggression, I think. Yeah, no, just being more selective, right? I think the other thing that we've discussed on this show and complained about is, you know, uh, when you've got like under five seconds on the shot clock and you've done all this hard work and Mm -hmm. there's a kick out to a shooter, you don't need to do the flyby at that point, right? Like the Raptors in general with their schemes, they want the flyby contest because they want uh, someone to, you know, do the pump fake, put it on the floor and trust that a teammate by then will mm-hmm. recover and then mm-hmm. you that's how you work the clock down yeah but at this point you know under five on the clock you're not trying to work the clock down any further so yeah. just close out solid you know as long as you do that it's going to be a tough contest and then you've given them no area to go to for mm-hmm. open space either right mm-hmm. and those those are things where you, you can just be selective about you know when you're doing these things and uh it's time for all of that to change. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on the schemes and whatnot. You know, Nick Nurse is obviously going through some stuff right now. We don't want to got to dive into dumping on the schemes and coaching too much today. There will be time for that as the season goes along. But like, this is a very critical point in I think Nick Nurse's career as Raptors coach. These next twenty five games, as much as it is. For the players in the front office, Nick Nurse, I think, is going to be super evaluated here as well. Uh, let's go to the hmm, shall we? What you got for your hmm? Uh, for my hmm, uh, I was actually going to go off the back of what you had said. I, I don't think there's much else to really discuss here, so I'll let you mm-hmm. start with your hmm. Sure. Uh, so I was talking last week on the radio on this show about what made me excited about Jakob Pertl's arrival as it relates to Precious Achua and potentially funneling his development more into like a wing archetype than a traditional big archetype. And the guy who I, I've said, he's like he could be big Norm Powell, but with great defense. And I think maybe, just maybe, a couple little inklings that that could be a thing in particular first half against the Utah Jazz he's standing in the corner in the spot Norm Powell used to roast tilted defenses from the ball swings to him against the tilted defense he drives around Walker Kessler yams on his dome and I was like big Norm big Norm is here uh (laughs) big Norm large Norm whatever you want to call it I I think uh, wing precious is a thing that very much excites me and also not just offensively. Obviously, the three's got to fall for him for it to really work offensively because right now it's a little bit grim there. Hit the two on, on Friday against the Jazz. That was great, but that's got to be much better than it's been this season. Um, the one where Yak kicked it out to him <laughs> and he could have just shot it, uh-huh. but instead pump faked, did the dribble step back and hit like the side of the backboard. <laughs> It's the precious experience, baby. He's the poster coaster, all right? Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I, on defense as well, I, I think if you are able to play a bit more of a conservative drop scheme with Yak, I, I just feel like if you have Precious on the wing, you have OG on the wing, you got Pascal, even Scotty, like there should be enough wings to corral potential drivers to really make Yak's life easy at the rim. And, and I just think... 
Precious could be one of these sort of vehicles by which they improve their perimeter defense if he's just kind of out there all the time. So that's my hmm. It's one or two games of seeing it, but uh, Precious on the Wings is, to me, pretty thrilling stuff. What you got for your hmm? Did you have something? Did you come up with something? Uh, you know what? I will go with something a little different. I've been, you know, looking at, you know, Scotty's rhythm. Obviously, we know the general template has been sort of, you know, let the other guys get going and, you know, Mm -hmm. just read the game for the first three quarters and then fourth quarter really turn it on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wonder the aggression that Fred has shown lately, uh, especially, you know, early on, I wonder if that benefits that in the sense that, if Fred is, you know, being conservative with his offense and you've got Scotty kind of just like taking it easy. Now you've got going, you're going into the fourth quarter with someone like Fred, who's a rhythm guy, who's not in rhythm. Yeah. And just, you know, hoping Scotty just does his thing. Right. Sure. And yeah. so now at least p- potentially you've got a situation where it's like, okay, Fred knows what Scotty's approach is going to be. And so he's just going to take the reins and be like, Hey, I'm going to be in rhythm fourth quarter if you need me i'm there you know at least that element of it is secured Mm -hmm. um and then scotty if he gets it going even better and so i think how that dynamic plays out is going to be important to evaluate um and then you know as as long as pascal is cooking obviously he's the number one yeah Uh, but yeah i think that element between those two is interesting yeah, and honestly, I think an aggressive Fred benefits everybody, right? Especially if, it, it, as long as it's not like, you know, he's sizing up dudes one-on-one and just kind of going to work in boring, bad possessions. And we're seeing like, less of that because of Jakob. Right? Exactly. That's the thing, is if you're, and this has been my thought on the Raptors and why, kind of my theory as to why they've been a pretty good crunch time offense over the last couple seasons, it's that when they're playing just within the flow, there are so many threats on the floor, shooting or not, guys who can cut, guys who can drive, guys who can go post someone up, guys who can hunt a mismatch, whatever it is. Within the flow of the offense, when you're screening and rolling, you get short rolls, you get cuts, you get you know guys moving around that. When they're playing as intended, uh, it's really hard to stop because a lot of guys can burn you. And I just feel like Fred being aggressive and using the pick and roll to get himself into a groove is eventually going to benefit everybody. It's kind of the same theory as to like Pascal goes nuts for the first three quarters, then the team starts to sell out on him and the bunch of great looks come out of him passing as a result in fourth quarters. Like if your best players are playing well and they are hunting looks and they're aggressive, it's eventually going to change the way the defense has to guard you and thus create opportunities for people elsewhere. And I think an aggressive Fred, as much as people don't love Fred shooting all the time, um, you know, deal with it. It's what he does. They need his three-point shooting very, very badly. It's six of their 11 yesterday, for example. Um, you know, I, I think he opens up a lot of opportunity elsewhere for guys like Scotty when he is kind of hunting the, the his looks early on. And I think, yeah, Yak helps with that. The amount of space he's going to have coming off of Yak screens, you know, either off ball or in regular pick and roll, that's all going to be beneficial. That's a... Uh, a good one, Big V, to close this one out on. Anything you would like to uh, plug or whatnot before we round out the show here? Just the usual stuff, raptors.com. You can find my work there, and you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Hell 
Yeah, dude. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast for free on your favorite audio apps and on YouTube. So please be sure to do that. And we will be back tomorrow. I'm working on a bit of a guest. We'll see. TBD. If I don't have a guest, we'll maybe do a mailbag or something like that. Either way, she'll come back tomorrow. We'll have a recap of the Magic game on Wednesday morning as well. And that will send us off into the All-Star game. By the way, congrats, Pascal Siakam. We didn't talk about that. He's going to the All-Star break. Uh, his his wonderful vacation in Cancun canceled. Poor guy. Uh, <laughs> he'll have fun in Salt Lake City, right? <laughs> right uh, it there. Thanks so much for talking, talking or hanging. We'll be back again on Tuesday. Bye bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.